Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hi. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back. Here we are. Back at Be Real. And listeners, we are keeping it real today. We are definitely. We've been telling people not to ask. <laughs> but we've been telling people not to ask people, how are they? So I'm like, I'm like okay, I'm not going to ask you how you are. I'm going to ask you how you're sleeping. How am I sleeping? Um. I don't sleep well. I probably sleep about four hours a night. Um, no matter what time I go to sleep, I wake up at 6 a.m. or like 5.30. So that could be very upsetting, but I've been <laughs> going so to the park. <laughs> I just go to the park now and I do like a four or five mile power walk at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning now. So Oh, oh okay. Did you find the loop? I did find the loop. <laughs> And Central did you, Park, that's what we're talking about. I did right. not do the full loop yet. <laughs> okay, the, uh, uh, but wait, if you're walking four miles, the outside loop is six and change, and the inside loop is four. Well, I mean, I there also, was a time in my life yeah. I saw the math that I also did this on the regular, like ran and run. And then you're talking yeah. about full on from like 59th Street to 110 and back to 59th? Is that the loop you're talking about? That's the big loop. That's the oh. big loop. That's oh, I do the side the six loop. mile loop. That is four miles. Nice. I that's do, a good loop. Yeah, that's a good loop. So the struggle is, yeah. I don't got, I don't, I don't have great knees. So my knees have been hurting lately. And I also take a boot camp class three days a week in Central Park too. And so that's been giving me a run for my money as well. Um, but I, I enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy it, but I got to tell you, it's kicking my butt. It's definitely kicking my butt. Um, it's been a little warm here in the New York area, <laughs> the New York City area. So I hope you're staying hydrated. I'm um, I'm making a, I'm taking a four mile walk every day myself, doing a little boot camp, not outside in my apartment with the air on, not outside. I also need to tell the listeners that Diana is in better shape than I am because during the quarantine, Diana has been working out. I just started working out. So I've been sitting for the last like four months, which was not smart. And so that's why I'm on the struggle bus. That's that. 
And when, <laughs> as you're listening, just you should also all know that I have invited her to work out with me throughout the pandemic. <laughs> but it's hard. I can't lie. It's been hard. I have not. I'm like trying to like put myself in it and really get in it, and like enjoy it. But I'm still, I still don't feel like I'm moving enough. I think after we're done recording, I'm going to go for a bike ride. Nice. Well, I think the trick is, is that I gave up on my hair. This? Yes. That's what happened. I gave up on my hair now. Because when I walk and when I do the boot camp, oh. my hair is just wet. I don't care anymore. I just gave up on my hair. I was like, my my health is more important. My fitness is more important. Is- and so, yeah, I just like do this all back thing since it's super short now. It's fine. There it is. Well, this is a this is a big step. That's this huge. This is a huge step. I also stopped wearing makeup. Yes, that's a huge step what? for me. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! This is these are big things. Big things. <laughs> I think I put on lipstick the other day for the first time in five months. <laughs> so we are swinging the pendulum back and forth over here. I've had a full um, face on for the last five months. And now I go on my video sessions and I'm just like, hey, what's up? I'm here. Give me some I lip gloss. I have I'm made it to the computer. I've made it to the dining room table and I'm in. I do have a full on new um, face skin thing that I do that I didn't do before. Okay. I'm a monthly, I'm a, I'm a monthly facial girl. Obviously that went out the window. Yes, so now on Saturdays, um, I use this face product to give myself a little like exfoliating mask. I sit for 20 minutes and then I have enough over that. Then I do some eye things and then I do some serums. That's been exciting. And I also found found like I discovered it. Uh, I remembered that there was a farmer's market near me and uh, now this is my Saturday morning ritual. I get on my bike, I go to the farmer's market, I come back, I do a little yoga and then I do the face. And I have to say, um, I get self-care Saturday down. However, I'm still struggling today. (laughs) (laughs) Today was Sunday. It was a different day. It was a different day, but it's also a new month. So um, we have moved into a new month and we're going to, we're going to kick off August with a series, uh, like four weeks on different types of communication. I can't wait. Yeah. We're going to have some amazing guests. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Today is our first one. Well, I mean, we could both do it together because we both know her so well. I'm really excited because we do have the opportunity today and we get the opportunity on the show because we work with a wonderful group of therapists and one of them is with us today. So Ariana Eisenberg is a psychotherapist and clinical supervisor for Be Well Psychotherapy. She's here with us today and she is one of our couples therapists and has a strong focus on communication. So we're super excited to have her on today and I hope enjoy her as much as we do. So go grab your tea, sit back, put your feet up, get cozy on the couch and enjoy today's show. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. 
As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. So here we are back at Be Real, still in quarantine. Episode 23. Still living in, still living in the pandemic. Um, this is Ednisha and my other host over here. <laughs> Where are you, Diana? I'm right here. I'm right here. Hey, Ednisha, it's me, Diana. How are you? <laughs> Um, I'm pretty good today, right? Still living in a pandemic, but other than that, I'm I'm really great. But I'm really great because we have a special guest today. That's why I'm really great. I know I'm excited too. Who is it? (laughs) (laughs) Just playing, just playing. So guys, Ariana is special to us because we all work together. She is a part of the Be Real team. Ariana Eisenberg. Ariana, say hello. Hi guys, how are you? Um, well, we're good, and we are excited to highlight you today on uh, Be Real. Why don't we get started by you letting everybody know a little bit about you? So, a little bit about me: I'm from DC. I'm an Aquarius, and I own two dachshunds. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome! And so not where I thought we were going. Um, that is so perfect. We could talk sure. about being an Aquarius or um, we could go right into being a dog owner. Yes. Cause monkeys with us today as well. (laughs) We could jump a little bit into your being a therapist at Be Well. I don't know. (laughs) Which one? Where do you want to go, Anisha? (laughs) You get to choose. Totally. I'd love to to hear more about her being a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about her being a therapist? Okay. So I just want to get started by saying that Ariana is one of my go-tos when I need some help and really fun to supervise with. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about her approach and what she does and what her specialties are. So Ariana, go. So I put a big emphasis on being a really genuine and warm therapist. I'm not going to be the most clinical, the most removed therapist. I try to be very warm and very present. Awesome. So one of the things that you've been specializing in and really focusing on is uh, communication and relationship work. So we, when Anisha and I talk about communication here and we look at each other communicating together with each other. Anyway, what are some of the, we, um, we're all focused as clinicians on successful communication, right? Like, well, that is one of our goals, Mm -hmm. our end goals for everybody that we work with. So Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us from your perspective, Ariana, what you think some of the roadblocks are for successful communication. And most specifically, if we can kind of loop it back to communication right now in a pandemic. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think overall, some of the biggest roadblocks for communication 
is always going to be ourselves and specificity of our feelings. I think those two things are really important when we're talking about communication. Um, We all have thoughts and feelings and those thoughts and feelings impact what we hear, what we say, and how we process what's being told to us. So I think that those are really the beginning of what I see communication breakdown. I can keep going. Keep going, <laughs> girl. Spiel. Keep going. Um, when, when we are particularly activated by our partner, and I think that there are a lot of people at home right now, particularly during COVID with their partner and their kids, and we can get activated really easily by something a partner has said. Let's use an example of maybe telling you to stop putting your shoes in a certain place. And this wounds us, but we aren't able to explain how we feel with ease. It causes a fight to escalate. The fight is no longer about something small. It's about everything that has made us feel similarly. It comes down to the language to describe our feelings with specificity. For example, the conversation where I put my shoes is really making me feel like you're telling me I'm a messy person, but we end up having a conversation about what I can find language for, that you henpeck me. So I fight with you for two hours about the shoes and how I'm always the problem, but we never get to the reason I'm actually upset. Our word choice and tone and specificity can make or break a discussion. Specificity feels the most important to me because you can describe how you feel with ease. You can change the tone of a disagreement. Specificity can help us avoid being activated in the first place. When we bring our feelings to a conversation in a way even we don't understand, it can cause a chain of misunderstandings, like about the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right, let's, Anisha, you want to break that down? <laughs> where have you, where, yeah, where have you left your shoes? I don't think it's about the shoes. I think it's about what it represents. And that's really what the communication is about. Like, what does it represent? Me leaving the shoes, does it represent me not caring? about you, about relationship, it's really important as well that we look at not personalizing things and um, like judging the other person. Because once that kind of comes into play, people get very defensive. So I always talk to my clients about like, use the I statement. And I know that is like 101, but it's so important, right? Like once I start a conversation with you did this and you did that, I think people just stop listening at that point. So I think it's so important that we are not critical and um, judgmental. Yeah, I think that's where the specificity comes in, right? Because if you know exactly what you're feeling, I can tell you why it upset me that you're telling me to stop putting my shoes in a certain place. And I think sometimes we get really upset about a question that makes us feel like a worse version of ourselves or a self that is shamed or a self that someone has used before to make us not feel so great. Right. Um, as we're talking, I'm, uh, and I'm thinking about couples and we're thinking about like where language and where language comes from and where language mm-hmm. in, for couples comes from. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the biggest roadblock to communication, right? Like if I, I often find myself asking a question the way a question was asked to me, mm-hmm. right? Of me, a question mm-hmm. to me, of me. I don't know what that <laughs> sentence choice is, but we'll figure okay. out which which one's supposed to go in there. And it may have been like a question a parent asked me in that, in a specific way. Like I may ask a question that way, or I definitely have seen myself respond to a question that I was like, Oh, wait a second. (laughs) I've heard that question before and it didn't. And it doesn't come from a place that I like that I can respond to as an adult. I respond to it as like a 13 year old for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I have found 
maybe possibly there's a small possibility that I have responded as a 13-year-old once or twice during the COVID time, maybe maybe only twice. Um, so what, when we're teaching emotional language, right, because that's what we have to do at this stage of when we're working with couples and when we're working mm -hmm. with people in general, like, Ariana, what do you look at as far as getting people to, like when we're talking about specificity and we're talking about actually being specific about what you're feeling, like how do you help them get to that place that they actually understand what they're feeling? So with an individual, the yeah. focus would be on sort of tracing where that wound comes from, where that activation comes from, right? So it's most likely tied, as you said, to something you heard in your house or maybe how your parents spoke to each other. And I think that just because individuals have baggage, then when we get a couple together, then we have couples baggage. Both people bring their baggage to the relationship, right? And and I think that that's a little that's a little thing couples need to know before they come into therapy. That is, it's not just them in the room. It's it's the ghost of their parents' marriage. It's the idea of their friends marriage that they see on Instagram and their idea of this perfect partner. So we bring all of this to a couple session together and you sort of have to help people prioritize what's the most pressing baggage in the issue as it comes up. Yeah. You know, I think about that. A lot of the work comes down to like family of origin, right? Just talking about like what the communication look like in your home. So like, and who do you model your communication after, right? Like, so if it's your mom, was she passive? Was she aggressive? Was she assertive, right? And so then do you kind of take that on? And when you do that, I think it's so important because people start to think a little bit more about, wait, this is where this comes from. Mm -hmm. Do I want to be this person? Because I think it's all about a decision that we make around who we want to be and how do we want to show up in our relationships? Yeah, I think that's very true. I think that it is easy to get caught in how something was modeled or, or shown to you as a child, right? And I think it is very easy to slip into those patterns without really being aware of it, right? So I think that a lot of the work I try to do with both individuals and couples who are working on communication is find that, that sweet spot where they can start to dig into some of those moments and unpack where it's coming from. Yeah, definitely look at like, how are you conditioned? What was the tone, right? What was the rate of communication? Was it all about verbal? Was it about body language? Like, what did communication look like in your home? Because then you generally model that because no one sits you down and this is how you communicate in a relationship. Oh, until someone points out that you've done something wrong, right? Which is mm -hmm. when you probably end up in couples therapy, right? When someone <laughs> points out that you did something <laughs> wrong or you end up an individual because you're realizing that the, your relationships are not going very well, right? You know what I mean? Like your relationships, yeah. people are letting you know there's things about you that doesn't work for them. So now you're trying to figure mm -hmm. out, okay, what's going on with me? So yeah, yeah you, you end up, you, you definitely end up in therapy once you realize that, yeah, hey, my communication may not be that great. <laughs> well, right. Because you, what is the most, one of the most important things for individuals, for people, is actually being heard. So communicate, <laughs> being able, be yeah. able to communicate, so that you can actually be heard, is really. Uh, um, what's I? I had a word. I'm bad with words today. <laughs> what was it? It's like a. It's an. It's a. 
What is it? It's, it's an, an art. art. Thank it's you, Ariana. It's an art. Yes. <laughs> like, because oftentimes you aren't heard and you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. I know um, when I think about it, I, I think about the work that I do now, but most specifically, I think about when I was a yoga teacher and you could say the same thing over and over and over and over in every class to have somebody get into triangle pose. And all of a sudden you say something different and like just one thing, like move your hip one little way and everything changes and the whole pose opens up. And I feel like it, that it's the same thing for verbal communication skills. Like we say the same thing. It's almost like Groundhog Day until we like change one word and suddenly we're like seen and heard in a newer, fuller way, which is um, kind of amazing if you ask me. Now, both of you do couples work and I do not. So <laughs> let's, uh, I, I do not. Ariana, what, um, I wanna say what types of things do you see happening in couples right now? Or what, we can say that, we can, I'd like to, unpack that a little bit and also uh, sort of tips and tools for couples right now as they're um, home together indefinitely, 24 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely think couples are seeing minor, minor disagreements escalate a lot quicker than they used to. I think everybody's fuse is a little bit shorter I think that's the number one thing that I'm seeing with couples. And I'm also getting a sense from the couples that I talk to that disagreements are lasting longer. It's harder to get over because of the lack of space right now. So I think that's one of the biggest things I'm seeing. It's true. I mean, I can, I, as I said, I don't work individual. I don't don't work with couples, (laughs) but I do work with the individuals who are in relationships and how are, um, and this is just, and this is for you, Ariana, but also for you, Anisha, because I know you do some couples work. How are we, because we're together 24 hours a day, um, for the most part, like how are you, and we're regressed a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. we have this, um, I mean, we're started to really like live, we're six months in. How are we having people take space? Because one of the things, and I'm going to just elaborate a little bit, is like from the therapist perspective, one of the things that I've noticed is that we're, we're, we're in a home and we're induced with the feelings that, of the people that we're working with. So if we're thinking about that from that perspective and then we're thinking about two people living together being induction of each other's feelings constantly... <laughs> not being able to set it's like we're together we're not being and we're not able to separate so how then are we and this is going to take us a while to unpack how then are we going to find space so that we can still find we can still be together and find some desire because there's no there's no more mystery guys (laughs) we're like we're here (laughs) so let's talk about that So I hear you bring up space and I immediately think that there's two types of space, right? There's emotional distance, which may not be a physical distance, right? And then there is physical distance, which I do think is important for couples. I think it's very difficult to spend 24 hours a day with someone. As you said, we lose the mystery completely. We we just become two people on a submarine attempting to survive this event, right? (laughs) So I I love the submarine analogy. Go ahead. Well, because, you know, you close the door to your apartment and you're just sealed in. (laughs) Yeah. I think that it's important that people 
have ways that they feel like they can take a break from their partner, maybe emotionally, right? We may not be able to go as many places as we used to. I think it's important that people are taking time to separate from their partner and not be on top of each other 24 hours a day. So if one of them says they're going to work out, maybe you don't be in the same room watching them from behind <laughs> them texting. Like, um, I think that would be a great idea if you guys gave each other a little bit of break. And I also think that one of the things that is going to help with that emotional distance piece is maybe forming a schedule in the house, which sounds kind of nerdy out loud, but having that time that you know the other person is going to work at the kitchen table and you know that you can sit in bed and not feel judged for a while might feel really good for you, right? I've been thinking about putting happiness on the back burner. I know that doesn't sound good. But I think that, you know, in relationships, we're always thinking about, like, I want to be happy. And I think right now, I'm not working with any couples right now. And I'll just be real. I'm grateful. Um, Because on video, working with couples right now must be pretty rough. But we'll hear more about that from you, Ariana, because you are working with couples. But I think that the, the main thing has to be about connection. Right. Like, how are we connected to each other? How are we effectively communicating our needs? I think that right now it has to be about what are the main needs that you need met right now? If you can let me know that, I will try my best to work on that. But you got to figure out what they are first. And like you said, just that that space thing is huge. You know, like I'm grateful. I, I live in New York City, but I have a big enough apartment that I don't have to be on top of my partner. But at the same time, kind of navigating you going in this room and then I go in this room and who's going to cook and, you know, all of these things. We were not this close to each other before. I was out the house probably like 10 hours a day. And when we did see each other, I was so happy to see him. Right. Not to say I'm not happy to see him now, but it's really been rough. So I think that just kind of working on the connection between the two of you guys, not always feeling like I have to be happy. I have to be satisfied. But letting your partner know what your needs are and being able to kind of talk about them will be really important this time. Yeah. And I think that goes back to that specificity piece. If we are able to sort of verbalize what it is that we need when we feel ourselves starting to get irritated because they're watching us work out, let's say, um, if we are able to find the language to tell them like, hey, could you go in another room? I think I really just need to be alone right now. That's a great start. And I think that at times, we're not always able to do that, right? You mentioned that you were always out of the house and coming home to your husband made you feel so happy. And I think that for a lot of couples, we can get caught up in the idea that if we're home with this person, we're supposed to be together, we're supposed to be happy, I'm supposed to be jazzed to be sitting on the couch watching TV with you. But now it's never ending time, right? So it's hard to to build in some of that divide. And I do think sort of the tip of taking happiness sort of off the table or putting it on the back burner can be successful for a lot of people because maybe right now contentment is the most we can settle for in a lot of situations. Yeah. (laughs) I think that being content, I know uh, personally I'm, I've have windows of happiness, um, but I do like I'm content. And I was thinking as we, as we were all talking, but one of the things that I have started to notice because some of the habits like we kept in my personal life, we kept some of our our habits, right? I also was out of the house for 10 hours a day and then I would come home and I'd be excited to be home. And then I would, we had our routine and we would like go and we would have dinner and we would sit down and we would watch TV, 
right? Like a couple hours of TV and then go to bed. Well, now that there's, I, I that there is no like come home, <laughs> that part, like there is no come home. I've noticed it's my own, and I, it's not. I definitely don't think it's coming from him. I think it's my own irritation of not being, of not having enough of the separation, and like that, that I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I want to, like what am I going to do after work now? Like where am I going to go? What am I? Oh wait, I can't go anywhere. So like building in that time after work to like really have that alone time is something that I've noticed. I need more. And I'm wondering, and I'm imagining that more people, the now that we've been together for such a long time also are like finding that they may need more space at the end of a work day or that that is both physical and emotional space and separate from one another. Oh, those are just my thoughts on it. <laughs> I also think just kind of starting um, conversations off in a positive way. Right. I think that this is the best time to make sure we're not being kind of negative, even if we're not in the best place. Like, right. Like not starting with like some type of blame or some type of judgment when I do talk to you. Right. Like, so if I haven't talked to you all day and the first thing you tell me is what I didn't do or what I need to do. Right. In a certain tone, I think that we just have to be so mindful of, um, you know, our tone and our body language and just being positive, trying to be as positive as possible. Because we don't know how much longer we're going to be in this. How do we survive it so that people are not getting divorces and people are not breaking up? I think it's all about how you communicate with each other. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering uh, what about if there, I mean, I'm answering a lot of these questions and talking about it from my own perspective and not the perspective of somebody on the other side of the couch. So um, I was fortunate that I was in a solid, my relationship was solid when we started. So what um, do we, uh, when we're looking at it, we're looking at people in relationships. Are we seeing that the cracks are too big now we're together, but we have nowhere we have, we're together. We have nowhere to go, but there are like, how are we, if there is, was a divide at the beginning of COVID, is there a way for us to bring it together? Or like, what are we, what are we thinking ladies? I do think if you had a crack in your relationship before COVID, the increased time together in the house is just going to bring out what you're not talking about, what you haven't addressed, right? And I think that there is a way back together if <laughs> if you can find the right tone and the right word choice and the right time to talk about some of those cracks and what's down there, right? Because if we're going to use the example of the shoes and you're yelling about the shoes, it's not about the shoes. It's about what's deeper down there and what's being brought up by them even mentioning the shoes. So if we are able to get down to that historical moment, to that old hurt and talk about it in a calm, like not hysterical place, we're going to have more success with talking to our partner about whatever that crack was, right? Yeah. Um, yes, you, I 100% agree. And I'm wondering how, when we are, when our, when people are listening, right? Like right now, if you're a person and you are like, Oh, right. I blamed about the shoes this morning. (laughs) It wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't, it wasn't what it was about. Like how then you go back and repair 
right? Because I think that like, and when we talk about it, we're talking about it from the therapist side, right? So how do mm-hmm. we then connect to, okay, so you, you're hearing this now and you're like, oh, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I blamed about the shoes. That was me. How then, right? Do we go back and when we repair it, what, what are some of the suggestions you guys would do for that? Like, what do you, what do you guys think? So you want to be careful how you go back and try to repair this with your partner, right? Because it's easy for the other partner to feel defensive, right? After they've just asked you something small, move your shoes, and you lose your cool at them, right? So when we've taken a break, which is the first part of my advice, take a break, take a beat, (laughs) slow it down, (laughs) step away. Um, You know, a lot of people will say, don't walk away from me in an argument. And I think taking time apart in an argument is a really good idea because when we are yelling, when we are activated, we are not our best selves. And I always think it's best to have a conversation when we've had time to be our worst self, calm down and then realize why we got so activated. So I think if you are going to circle back and approach your partner, you want to do it in a way that takes ownership over your part and acknowledges what the person was trying to go for. I know you weren't trying to attack me. I got very defensive very quickly, and I'm sorry that I yelled at you. But I was feeling like you were my mom when I was a kid, and my mom used to ask me to get my backpack off the table every day. I just really felt pulled back to that place. That's that's how I would model it if you were my patient. (laughs) (laughs) I think I love the take responsibility part. That has to be the first thing. Right. Like if you're Mm -hmm. going to go back and have a conversation, you have to first take responsibility for the part you played in it. Right. If you said anything hurtful or judgmental, you have to acknowledge it. And I think that that's where a lot of couples go wrong, that there's no acknowledgement. People just kind of move on as if things didn't happen and people don't forget. And then when you don't talk about it, then breeds resentment. So I think you just have to be very careful about sitting with yourself and realizing what part did I play in that, right? Like, how do I go back and talk about what I did first and maybe apologize or even just acknowledge and then ask you, how did you feel about it? Because I think that sometimes we need to make less statements and ask more questions. That's what I tell people. What do you think, Diana? Well, I agree with everything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do. And I was thinking, I always tell people to take a break one Uh, when I do, I have worked with couples, even though I'm not doing it now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Ariana was talking, I was thinking, yes, we want to, when we're heated and when we're in that moment, we've actually stopped even fighting with each other, right? Like there's now every fight we've ever had that has nothing to do with you and your person is in the room. Like your parents are there, your siblings are there, your first grade teacher's there, the guy that gave you a bad paper, that gave you a bad grade <laughs> in high school is there, the guy that broke up with you before the prom, he's there. All that stuff is all in there. And you're just like, I'm just going to keep going to separate and then come back together. And I was also thinking of a rule that I have in my practice when, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> when, it, when I work with couples is that there's a 20, I have a 24 hour rule. Like if it was really big, you can't talk about it for 24 hours. And then you have to take some kind of what I call an emotional divorce. And in that emotional divorce, you get to not talk about your relationship, not talk about the fight, not talk about anything that has to do with emotions. It's just really like, what are we, what, who's getting the groceries, who's picking up the dog, who's picking up the kids. And yes, we're going to talk about this and we're still going to be together, but we're not going to talk about it now. 
so we were getting pretty deep into uh, just how to handle or um, handle isn't the right word. Communicate, relate. Um, I want to, I want to say resolve, resolve. That's the word I want to say. Resolve some of these, uh, some of these bigger issues that will become, that may come up between partners at this time. And I think we should just go like a little bit deeper into some of the scenarios that could be happening. So, because we're talking like two people who are talking, right? <laughs> like we have partners who are talking. <laughs> so, um, what, uh, what kind of recommendations do we have for people who are trying to communicate with a partner who doesn't want to talk? Like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I guess <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was if they don't want to talk, then say that that's okay, right? Like they don't have to talk right now. What if we make an agreement to talk at another time and actually schedule a time to do that, right? Because then that gives a person a time to be in a better space and they don't feel forced. So I think that that's really important. So that, listen, you don't want to talk now. Let's agree upon a time that we can talk. So then that gives them time and space to kind of figure out what do they want to bring to the conversation and just, um, you know, like just their comfortability. You want the other person to be comfortable. So -hmm. you don't want to force things. Ariana, what do you think? I'm thinking something similar to Anisha. I would have said you have to appreciate and respect what your partner is bringing to you, right? I think that's a big piece in all of this is that no matter how ugly the fight was, if the goal is still to stay together, then we're going to have to respect where the other person is at. And we're going to have to respect that person is someone different than us, right? And that they have different needs and different wants for how this conversation is going to go. I think Anisha's tip about scheduling it is is a great idea if the other person can tolerate that, right? Yeah, I like the language of the goal is to stay together. I often, when I have worked with couples, uh, I do, um, <laughs> but I do, I, for me, I indicate at the beginning of when we first start working together that my goal in working with couples is to keep you together. Like that's just my goal. And then if that, to sort of like put that in the room. So like if that's in the room of an, in your submarine, <laughs> like the goal <laughs> is to stay together and that you guys, that we are actually in it to win it. And that there will be, there will be times where we're going to, we are different people. We're just not always going to get along. It doesn't make any sense. So, and things like there's history that we're never going to know because even we're not going to bring it up. Like it's just, it's part of our past that we just, we're not going to talk about. And then scheduling a time sounds like a great idea. And then even in that scheduled time, if you are the partner that doesn't want to talk, gives you time to sort of figure out what to say or even how to ask a question around what you might need because you might not have the language. And I think that's important too, to like uncover that if you are the partner that doesn't want to talk, then it could be because you don't actually know how to articulate what you're feeling. And then if you're the partner that is on the other side who really wants to talk to the partner who doesn't want to talk, (laughs) 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 like if you're that one that like going after that person to get them to talk to you, isn't going to work. Right. Because it's just going to, it's just going to create more strife actually. What do you think, Ariana? I think for the partner who doesn't want to talk, I think it is important that if you do agree to schedule a different time, that you take the time or a moment to yourself to think about why it is that you don't want to talk. 
I think doing that little bit of personal investigation before you come back to sit down and have a conversation with your partner is going to help you get to those deeper depths with your partner and understand why the disagreement or the fight or the conversation went sideways, right? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's such a, with us being together for so long and in our, when in our homes together, it does create like we, all the things that we've talked about, right? Like there's not a lot of room for emotional separation or physical separation. And then like carving out that to look, to look at that right now is like, oh, okay. So let's, let's make sure that we're carving out, we're scheduling time to be alone. And also like, we're looking at how we're emotionally connecting to one another and how much time we're spending together. And like, I know Anisha and I have talked about this over to, over the podcast a couple of times, but like, we're also like shifting gears throughout the day, right? Like you, you walk out of the room that you're working in and you walk into the living room and suddenly it's not really the waiting room <laughs> anymore because <laughs> the person that's in the living room, I mean, that's for us. The person that's in the living room is your partner. So you're instantly back into girlfriend, wife, oh. partner mode. And then like you might go, whatever that is. So you're shifting back and forth into gears. If you have kids at home, like you're, as soon as you walk out, you're the partner, you're the mom, you're this person. And then you walk back in and then you're shifting into your professional self. So all of that is into play with your, with the conversations that you are having with your most intimate person. Not wanting to talk is not necessarily a bad thing right now it's just when <laughs> scheduling like when is a good time to heal this wound and I think my point is that it is a time in our lives where we can look grow and learn about each other in a much deeper way than maybe we would have um, otherwise and the other thing that I was thinking and it was I was coming up against it when I was just talking is like looking for signs of depression in your partner or like what are we looking at because there is an anxiety and a, and a sadness in the world that we haven't necessarily experienced at this depth so how are we navigating that ladies before we shift gears I did think of something I think you know not everyone listening is a, a long-term couple some people are newer to being together some people are younger and I think that for younger couples a tip and trick that I tell people um, when they are a little bit on the younger side, maybe they grew up texting that um, I don't shy away from a text message conversation about the fight, even if you're in two separate rooms. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but some things can only be true when you've had to put them in words to describe to someone else. And a text message almost forces you to take that step back, think about why it is you got upset and send it to the other person. And there's more time built in in how you can respond, right? I, I like that. Um, I also think that it's really great to kind of state your intention for the interaction, for the conversation. So if it's like, hey, I would like us to have a better understanding of X, Y, and Z. So maybe you could feel more loved or more understood. And that's why I'm coming to you to have this talk. Because I think that there's this fear and this anxiety, especially for the person who doesn't talk as much, so whenever your partner's like, oh, we need to talk, there's always this like anxiety and fear about, oh my God, what did I do? What do they want to talk about, right? So what if I just stated my intention and what I would like to get from the conversation? So in some ways I'm also directing it, right? So you know, okay, this is where I'm trying to lead us to. Like, I don't want to argue because I want us to get to a place where we both can feel more loved and understood. So how do we get there together? 
And I think that people will be more receptive if, you know, you kind of state that intention and it's also a positive one, right? So let's figure out how do we navigate getting there, but that's where I want to go. So you don't have to be fearful that I came to criticize, judge you and blame you and all the other things that normally might happen in our relationship, right? (laughs) Not today. I want to do something different. I want to let you know off the bat. So I think that that's important too. I think that anytime anybody hears the phrase from anybody I think we need to talk. It's like terrifying (laughs) is just the most terrifying phrase ever. So yes, I am in complete agreement that if, if your intention is to get closer and be heard and be seen and let the other person also be heard and seen for sure, make sure all that language is in there. Like, yes, we have to talk, but it's really like, like get quick to the butt. Right. Because it is it is like the court cursor to like at like it at work, in your relationship, at school. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I do like that because, yes, the bottom line is we all want to be loved and understood and seen and especially by our most intimate partners. And back to you, Ariana. I mean, I know I typed in the chat that everybody is younger than me, but it's true. But it's true that texting is an ex like it's an excellent form of communication, especially under these circumstances, because you're texting from the other room. It's not like you're going to see the person when you come out of the room. Like, it's like you can still resolve it right there. So it's and, a nice way uh, to get yeah. out. And particularly if we're talking about the partner who doesn't want to talk, the partner, if they're a little bit shyer or they're not as verbal about their feelings, this gives them more perceived space mm, to okay sort of address it. So I think it gives them a little bit of that emotional buffer and they don't have to look at you while it's happening, right? It gives them that space totally. to sort of say what they want to say without like cringing and waiting for your reaction on your face, right? You're cringing and waiting for your reaction to the text message, but they don't have to like watch you take in what they're saying. No, they just have to watch the bubbles on the phone and wonder what's coming. Sure. And then stop and then Start again and then stop. Or maybe send a voice note. (laughs) I have clients who like to do that too. They rather send a voice note. I'm like, okay, that could work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so like when we think about it, there's so, yes, not that if you are the person that doesn't want to talk or you are with somebody who doesn't want to talk or whatever stage in your relationship you're in, like, I think about like when we think about communicating, especially as therapists, I know that mine is my thought first thought is we're all gonna put our thoughts and feelings into words. All of them, all the thoughts and feelings. But some of them, of course, aren't appropriate for your relationship. And also the idea of writing something down, especially the person who can't who isn't talking, I shouldn't say can't talk, who like who like isn't able to really like get it out and just to be able to like have that, I have found that there's a lot of people that are much more vocal over text than they are actually verbally, like through the mouth. And I made, this is also making me long for the old fashioned phone call. Well, you bring up an interesting point that when someone is able to sort of put it in text, that it's, I lost my thought. I had a really nice thought and I lost it. <laughs> so we'll just take all that out. Um, but um, shoot, I lost it. Where was it going? Oh, man. I'll, I'll fill some in. But it gives you time to be thoughtful, right? Because if you, either side, if you're not talking, if you're 
can't talk, won't talk, whatever it is, it, there's a reason, right? There's a roadblock in your communication. There was a break in your development. There was a break someplace, somewhere, somehow along the developmental path, somebody shut you down. And so then we get to take our time, be thoughtful. It takes out the the fear, whatever the fear is, because there's a fear, most likely it's a fear, my guess is it's a fear of humiliation, right? Like you're going to be seen or heard in a way it's not going to hit right. So this text message allows you to really like articulate what you want to say. It's like you can curate your words and then you have to wait for the bounce back, but hopefully it's taken in in a way that is like, see me, this is me being vulnerable because I can't put it into words. And if we are talking about the partner who doesn't really want to talk, being an anxious person, they now also have a written record of the conversation. So it makes it harder to spin and, and, to, and to twist, right? And yeah. I think that sometimes our own feelings influence what we think was said rather than maybe what our partner actually said. And it lets us come back to that conversation later if we need to, if we start to twist it in our head, we can look back and be like, you know what, that's not how they said it. They said it in a different way. And I'm making it something else. So I think that um, as I listen to it, what is really important to note is that there are so many different ways that you can go about this, right? And so there's not just one way that is always going to work, right? So you can text if you need to. And when I was thinking about the texting also, if you have a partner who interrupts you often, right? And you don't feel like you can get kind of like that full, you know, voice out, then I think that that could be a, a good way to communicate as well, the texting or even writing a letter. Like you can write a letter to someone that you live with guys and leave it on a table, like, it's okay. I think it's just that you have to find the best way for you to communicate personally. What works for you? So what works for you may not work for your partner, but how do I verbalize that to you? Hey, talking doesn't really work for me. Doesn't very feel very comfortable. Is it okay if I text you? Is it okay if I email you? Is it okay if I write you a letter? And we kind of go, we do it that way until I can feel more comfortable. So what I would like to take from this is just that there is not just one way. And for us to be open to all the different ways that we can communicate with our partner right now, because life is not easy. And so we don't want to make things even harder with our relationships. That was exceptionally well put. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I see you. I heard you. Well, Ariana, I want to make sure that we talk about all the things that you have going on right now, where people can find you. I know that you are offering a group on communication. Can you yeah, just give, us, um, give us a little, little outline about what that looks like? So I am running a group on coping skills for people who are coping with their partner and COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it is a time for people to come together once a week in similar situations, not with their partner. I don't want couples to come to this group together. I want individuals. We're going to get a bunch of people in a similar situation together once a week, and people are going to sit down and find a community of people experiencing the same thing and also talk about tips and tricks and ways to balance what it's like to be an individual in a pandemic, but also a partner in a relationship that hopefully has a future. Oh, wow. I love that. Okay. All right. All right. And you can get all... <laughs> I, I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I think that's great. I mean, it's not, it is, it, 
What I like about it the most is that it's not actually couples therapy, right? It is a place for you as a partner to go in and learn more about yourself, be with people who are in similar circumstances, get tips from other people, like you know you're not alone, right? And then you, Ariana, will facilitate this group and give everybody ideas and tips and takeaways and how to really bring your best self to your relationship under these ever so changing circumstances. Um, okay, that is all right. All that information is on the website. So we'll make sure that, oh, yes, the website will be in the show notes. We know where to find you. Um, and you are taking on individual cu- individual cases right now, too, as well, correct? Yes, ma'am, I am. Um, I think that you don't need to be in a relationship currently to be seeking couples therapy. Um, and I think that the only way we end up in a successful couple is using communication. Yeah, it's true. It is true. You do have to, you have to know how to communicate with that person across from you. Um, be able to talk about how you feel and what you want in order to get into a relationship. And yes, Ariana is on the Be Well Psychotherapy website at bewellpsychotherapy.com backslash Ariana Heisenberg. <laughs> so she's easy to find. And um, also the, uh, the group information is on the events page. So bewellpsychotherapy.com uh, events. That's where you can find her. Okay, Ariana. Now we all, it just has, it, we know that we spend a lot of time together, the three of us. <laughs> However, just like any group, we don't know everything there is to know about you. I know you've listened and I know you know what time it is. It's time for Anish to ask you two questions that otherwise we would never ask you. And she's going to do it now. Okay. So I'm going to start with the funny question. (laughs) Okay, Ariana, if you were a wrestler, what would be your theme song? (laughs) Wait, wait, what would be my what? Your theme song. Your entrance. Like when you walked. Yeah, walked in. What's the song? (laughs) What are we playing in the background, Ariana? Oh man, I've never watched one episode of wrestling. No WWE in your life? Nothing? No No. SmackDown? No Monday Night SmackDown? I don't understand. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay, so, but, all right. But I will say that lately, these dramatic times with all the funny political news, a song that's been coming into my head a lot that I thought of immediately when you asked this question is um, The Final Countdown. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I don't know why. Um, you know, but I think of myself as a small person but a powerful person. So I feel like it would be the final countdown because I, I may not have started the fight, but I <laughs> But I'm finishing it. I love it. I love it. Okay. And how have you been kind today, Ariana? It is the afternoon, so you've had a little bit of time, just in case. <laughs> Well, this is something I try to do every day. And I think that I've successfully done today is that I try to be present for the people in my life. Um, And today I drove my husband to work. Um, He normally four days a week wakes up and drives himself and sometimes our dogs to his studio. And today I woke up, even though I am not a morning person, I woke up at 7.15 and I drove him across Brooklyn and I wasn't mean about it. (laughs) Look at that. 
So that was my kindness. And I will say that I try to be present for the people in my life, people I supervise, patients, family, friends, I try to be as present as I can, because I think that's a kindness that we often overlook. And it's something that starts so small, just choosing to show up for someone. And I I think I also did that today. (laughs) I love that. I love that too. Well, you definitely showed up for us today, Ariana. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. And you are kind. Thank you so much. All right. Anisha, do you think we can do it? Because we're still living in a pandemic. Ready? Yes. Okay. Stay safe. Stay safe. Wash, Wash your, hands your hands and wear, wear your mask. <laughs> Just wear the mask. Just wear it. I don't care where you okay. live. Wear it. <laughs> All right. Until next week, we have to stop here and we will see you again. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.